Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, everybody. Good, good, good. We have a lot to do, have a lot of ground to cover, so I just want us to do one thing. If the Lord has done one thing for you uh, in the last 24 hours, if he's done anything for you, uh, I want us just to give a hand clap of praise. Let's have a praise. Y'all ready? Okay, that was cool and rather subdued, but um, like really though. If you've experienced the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's done one thing for you. I know for a fact you're breathing right now, so he's doing something for you in the moment. Let's give him praise because he's worthy. On the count of three. One, two, three. Let's go, church. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're not here for man. We're here for Jesus. Come on, y'all. Come on. Y'all can do better than that. Come on, come on, he's good. He never ceased to be good. He's always good. Come on. All right, now we can have church. Some of y'all are mad because Houston lost. Amen, in front of four, but it's good. It's all gravy. Now we're ready to have church, amen. So if you're joining us, hope you're clapping online. I heard you, amen. But uh, thanks for joining in. We have people tuning in from interesting places, not weird, but interesting places. Alaska, man, we have a group from Alaska tuning in, which is really cool, and thank you for tuning in and being faithful, even in giving, and so supporting the ministry here of Crossroads here in the Woodlands, Texas. I want to say thank you, Percy, from my heart, right here in the pulpit to say thank you, man. Florida, uh, New York, there's places all over the place, and so thank you for tuning in, and then those that are right here in the area, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Yesterday was a great day as the church we served, and And man, just went out and blitzed the whole little area here, man. I'm grateful for you for signing up, being faithful, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus. This is what it's all about. We want to pour gas on being a church that lives outside the walls. We literally want to be that type of church, okay? Not just, not calendared, but we want to be that type of church on a regular basis. To where you live, where you see where you live, work and play as your mission field. So whether on um, at, the, at the hospital, whether you are at the grocery store, wherever you're at, you're always inviting somebody and being a light of Jesus Christ to the people around you. Life is all about people. I'm going to say it again. Some of us would say, man, like, I love to do life by myself. Amen. The new trinity, me, myself, and I. But you, you, you can't, you can't, we can't do that. Life is all about people. We're in week 11 of this series entitled really the book of Ephesians, walking through verse by verse, trying to understand God's original intent through the writer Paul. And something we discovered is that from the beginning, we are all toe up from the flow up, needing Jesus. This is again a, a, a hospital every single weekend. This right here, it's a messy family reunion. This is not a museum. This is not a, a cruise ship. So in other words, we all have areas we need to work in and work on. And the spirit is working on all of us. That's even on this stage. And so let's just, let's pop that balloon and let's let reality set in. I want to challenge everybody in the room today and even those online to not discard what God has for you this morning. This is rather interesting, this topic. The reason I started by saying that that life is about people is because we're going to deal with relationships. We're going to deal with relationships. We'll talk about the marriage union, but also this is not just for the husband and wife, but it's also 
relationships is in general with if you're not married. Now, there's a lot of people in here not married, so, but still, relationships are crucial. We can't bypass relationships and those that God has put in our lives and expect to grow spiritually. Okay, so it's all about people. I'm going to say, some of y'all, I'm telling you, I'm an introvert, so I'm like, man, this is, it's hard for me to say it, amen. But I want us all just to say this real quick on the count of three. It's all about people, okay? It's all about others. Uh, on the count of three, one, two, three. Okay, that's, that was a little unclear. It's all about others. Let's don't say it, people, okay? So let's just go. It's all about others, okay? Y'all cool with that? Whoever that was at over there, y'all was way off. All right, here it is. Redemption is good. There's grace in the house. On the count of three, one, two, three. And this is what Paul has been driving home. Really, the last three chapters, he's been talking about unity in the body. Each person is a part of the body, each member. But not only that, everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a unique part to play in the body of Christ, every single person. A couple weeks ago, we gave a puzzle piece to each person, letting you know that you have an intricate, um, purposeful, I mean, really role in the body of Christ, every single person. How many of you guys still have your puzzle piece somewhere you can see it visibly? That's cool. But now Paul begins to shift gears a little bit and starts talking about uh, more in the tune of, yes, in church, this is cool, but in a sense of dialing it in so much so where it's people that really know you. Dialing it in because what happens is in a, in a group like this, in a setting like this, especially via online, it's, there's no real connection there. But a lot of times we can come into church and we can get away with being our real self. We can, we can not be the real us and get away with it and leave, come to church and leave the same. It's hard to really do that when you're in the confines of marriage. I mean, if you really have a spouse that, man, like dials in on you, like Mandy dials in on me, amen. I mean, I mean just the, the smallest thing. I mean, she, she, I'm telling you, my wife will keep me humble. She's not here today. She's on her way traveling back. Somebody said, Pastor, you preach bold without your wife being here. I said, no, you call her. You call her, holla at her. But here's the deal. It's easy to live life in a larger setting and still not be you. It's hard-er to be in the confines of people that are close to you, accountability groups, husband, wife, spouse, whatever it may be, other dear brothers and sisters in a real loving relationship and people not really see the real you over time. So Paul is going to hit on something. He's going to hit on marriages. He's going to talk about children and parents. We're going to deal with that next week. Parenting. We'll deal with workplace, employer and employee. And by the way, just so you know this, there's only one thought from today's sermon. Only one. So if you take a note, you're not going to take a lot of notes. It's really one major thought. Here it is. God uses marriage and relationships to teach us, you and me, about himself and to make us look more like himself. That, that is the crust, that's the crust of this whole message. Now before I get going, you know marriage has been under attack for many years. This is nothing new. You look at the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 3, you notice something. You notice that the enemy did not even start to tempt or even come into the picture until Eve entered into the picture. Now, I didn't put emphasis on Eve for a reason. 
I'm just saying the enemy just knew, like, okay, if this is God's covenantal first picture of marriage, this is what he's going to want the church to look like. This is what he's going to want uh, to be the engine and the, the greatest apologetic for the gospel to a watching world. If this is going to be it, you better rest assured I'm about to cause in. I'm about to come in and cause straight up havoc. So we see in Genesis chapter 3, there's a fall. There's this, this death, if you will. There's a death spiritually. We, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. There's a, there's a death reality. There's also a, a relational reality, economical reality, but also emotional reality. So much so that we see, even in the garden, that Eve will desire her husband. Not desire in the sense of what you think. The Hebrew word there is not... Um, it's not the word for intimacy. It's the word for control. The writer Moses uses the word, he says, and your wives, you will, women, you'll want to desire your husbands. Not, again, not what we're talking about in this sex crazy world we live in. But in a sense of, as he would pick up on the same language in Genesis 3, Saying, Cain, you must know this, that sin is at your door and the desires to overtake you. The word is control. Control. Now, ladies, we haven't got there yet. Give me some time. There's some grace in all this. Okay? The first hour was like, man, there were people like this. I said, you need to stop doing this. You need to, don't, don't get mad at me. Just get. If there's ever tension between you and the word of God, have enough humility to say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Let's just release that bubble too. So, but in essence, we see the desire was not right. But then the writer Moses would go on to say in Genesis 3 and say, hey, look, man, you will rule over your husbands. Not in a sense, yes, not dictatorship, none of that stuff. But you should rule in a way that's God honoring. But we know sin affects everything. This text we're going to read right now, starting in chapter 5 and verse 22, now, again, I must say this, ladies and, and gentlemen, do not tune out what God has to say to you. He starts off in verse 22. He says, wives. In a culture where marriage is under attack, in a culture where marriage is literally belittled and frowned upon in some settings, trying to be redefined, you look at the culture, trying to redefine marriage. You see, God doesn't need our help. Though the culture is trying to redefine what marriage is. So Romans chapter 1, we'll deal with this in 2023. We're going to walk through the whole book. But in chapter 1, Paul makes this great case. And he says that men have exchanged passion with men and women with women. And as a result of that, the Lord has given them over to a debased mind. So now men, pride is the essence of sin. Pride is saying, I don't need God. So before we get going, make sure that you address the pride in your own heart. This is God's clear scripture. This is God's clear way in regards to his structure, but his structure for freedom and how he wants you and I to function in this covenant relationship between man and woman, but then also in relationships across the board. Wives. You don't get many amens on that, right? Thank you, sis. Wives, Rocky said in between the service, he said, man, when you, when you read that first verse, I start praying for you. Amen. <laughs> it's the next word, though. Y'all see it? 
Wives, submit. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Notice the writer, he says, to your own, not to somebody else. God has divinely orchestrated you to be connected with your spouse. So wives, submit. But where do you get this from? Look at verse 21. It literally links the whole thing together. What Paul is getting ready to talk about in this closer union between man and woman, it's a greater picture. It's a greater gospel picture, and we must see this. But he says in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you know that every single marriage issue problem is a gospel problem first? So if we're going to look at bookends, two bookends from a bookshelf, encompassing and keeping books in place without falling all over the place. If you want to use just bookends, some of us, we think like this. Think of it this way. Every marriage issue or relational issue is a gospel issue first. To say that it's not is to have a very underdeveloped understanding of the gospel. The gospel literally speaks to every issue and dynamic of our lives. Why? Because Jesus was like us, tempted in the same fashion, yet without sin, we have a high priest that we can actually relate to and he sympathizes with us. And so wives submit. So this whole dynamic is out of worship. Submit is hupertasso. Submit is the word hupertasso. I don't want to go too deep into this, but hooper prefix is under. Tasso is authority. So the writer is saying, just as in the Trinity, there is this structure, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even within this perfect relationship that was existing before eternity passed, before anything was created, before anything had, had been spun into existence, here's what he's saying. Just as, this hupertasso, we must make sure that we understand Paul is not just arguing something that women are lesser than, that women have no voice, that women are just this, this secondary issue, if you want to say that. He's not saying that. He's saying the word hupertasso is all a part of God's structure, but for freedom. As you look at the Trinity, you see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all different, but they work together. And there's this, this collaborative corporate understanding within the triune God. That no one's trying to override the other. There's, and the same reality within the Trinity, the Father wants you and I in our own relationships, whether in the church or in other relationships, he wants us to experience that same intimacy. It's amazing because we see the word submit and you say, man, pastor, you didn't lost your mind. Paul, you and Paul, y'all both submit. That's old school. It's 2022. I ain't submitting to nobody. Can we keep it real here? I ain't submitting. I'm going to do my own thing. Be careful. Whenever we try to misinterpret or even mess with God's structure, rest assured, there's going to be drama right after. So in other words, the deterioration in our culture today is a direct reflection to what happens in the home. What happens in the home, so all of our upbringings, we all come from families. We all come from somewhere. Y'all just didn't pop into the picture. We all have fathers and mothers. We all been stained or scarred by that upbringing. Some of us been, we have great examples. Some of us have bad examples. Pastor Daquan did a great job last week. He talked about the fact that he didn't have the greatest example, but he patterned his life after Tony. For me, I didn't have the best example. Y'all know this. So we all come from somewhere. 
But the idea is this. Even though we come from somewhere, we have a greater picture to look at. A greater picture to look at. So the gospel is the answer. He says to wives, submit. This is controversial. We know it. He's not saying that women are lesser than. He's not saying uh, that y'all can't speak. He's not saying that. And there were some contextual things in, Roman, in, the, in, Ro- in Rome at that time, also with Jews, how they viewed women, what they can say, what they can do, and all this other stuff. And Paul had his own bent as well. But that's not the picture here. This is out of a picture of worship. This is out of a grander, you must catch this, a grander picture of the Trinity, but also what Jesus has done for the church. This is how it's going to function. So why? says, submit to your own husbands, ask to the Lord, act of worship, where there's tension in the text. He said, my husband don't, he's a deadbeat. You, you mean to tell me right now, pastor, right now I need to submit? All he does is play video games? He doesn't cook? I mean, if, I, if, I, if the spirit ring your bell, don't move or jiggle, and don't wiggle, you better not get him to go to the bathroom because that's going to be bad. Everybody going to know it's you. Amen. You better hold that thing. Amen. Don't get up right now. Oh. You mean to tell me to submit to this guy? The text says, submit to him. God's structure, he's a God of order, even as you look at the Trinity, their structure, but for freedom, to function in the right role without prohibitation. So wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord, even if this guy, if your life is not in danger, let me just say this as a disclaimer, if your life is not in danger, if your life is in danger, get some help, call the police. Come to the church. Come talk to a pastor. Get counseling. I did say that. Counseling can work. Okay? I'm not saying stay in it. I'm not saying just stay there and be like, oh, I'm going to pray for him. And then your house, your, I mean, you're maybe getting abused. I'm not saying that at all. And that's not what Paul is saying. But in other words, he's saying submit out of, in the sense of Romans chapter 12, as long as it, live, as long as it depends upon you, live peaceably with others. As long as it depends upon you, we can't change anybody. I can't change Mandy. Sometimes I wish I can, but I can't. So here's the deal. As much as it depends upon me, let me, let me work or function in my God-given structure and my God-given ordained um, pattern that God has ordered, just like the Trinity, so that there'll be some freedom to walk in what God has called us to walk in, to give him glory, to give him praise, but also for our good. It's going to be challenging, but it's all for the good. It's going to take some grit, but it's all for the good. Why? Because just before this context, Paul is actually arguing something. He said, don't be filled with wine. But he says, be filled with the Spirit. So he's assuming in this text, as husbands and wives, that these are individuals that have said, look, Lord, my yes is on the table. You can have the backstage passes to my heart. I know I'm tore up from the flow up. I know I'm a hot mess. I know I get on my husband's nerve. Husbands, I know I get on my wife's nerves. But you know what? Jesus, will you do something in me that I can't do in myself? Will you love my spouse through me like I can't love him? Can you, can you, can you do this through me? It's a spirit field, not conjured up, not just something you read in books. This is literally from the third person of the Trinity. This is the only way it's going to actually make sense. But then, here it is, bear fruit. So, as far as it depends upon you, you pray for him or pray for her. 
And by the way, it's not just men or women that need to submit. Guys, we need to submit too. We can't be running around rogue. Let me just say this. And it's kind of in here too. You got to give her something to work with though. Don't expect no summer wife and bring home winter weather. I'm going to say it again. Can we just keep it real? I'm trying to, we'll be done in 20 minutes. Don't expect a summer wife, brothers, but you're bringing home some winter weather. That's not what the Texas, we don't have that luxury. Yes, there are seasons, but got to have structure. It says, for the husband is the head of thy wife, even as Christ. Again, this is the whole picture. Remember, there's a greater gospel picture going on here. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, here's a greater picture. Paul is, he's arguing, man, there has to be some sense of structure. If not, there'll be anarchy. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Not everything in a sense of if my husband is telling me to do something immoral, obviously you don't follow him and submit to that. If he's causing me to break um, biblical principles, no, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. So don't, he's not saying be a doormat. But if it, when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to godliness, when it comes to being a gospel witness, do you know the marriage is the best thing that the world can see? Even outside the church to some degree. Because the healthier the, the, healthier the home, the healthier the church. The healthier the church, the healthier the community. The healthier the community, the healthier what? Now you got a bigger city. Healthier the city, now the state. And it goes on and on and on and on. Here's the deal. Buddy Tony Evans said this. A lot of people, we want to see Capitol Hill change, but we can't even change our own homes. It's, everything starts in the house. For the husband is the head, there's structure. And again, brothers... I mean, we got, we got to give them something to work with. Verse 25 says something interesting. Says now, husbands. Husbands. Men. Brothers. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is hard business, guys. Remember, if... God uses marriage and relationships to teach us about himself and so that we also may look like himself or look like him. He uses union. So this also argues something too. You can't grow outside of a relationship with somebody. To say you don't need the church, this actually debunks that argument. To say you can grow without the church, I can just do my own thing. And by the way, many people are saying in our culture today, I don't need the church. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I must say that. You, everybody needs a, we need somebody to grow. But he says, husbands, love, not dictate, not lord over, but agapao, love them. In other words, sacrifice for them. Stick your neck out for them. Take a risk. Swallow the pride. Yes, we want respect. We see that in the text. Men, love and respect book. I know that. But let me tell you this real quick. Love and respect is a great book, but hopefully you're not reading just other books about marriage. Hopefully you're getting it from the word of God. 
first. Yes, we want respect, but man, we're called to love at a high level. That means living in their life, laying down my own interest. This is tough, y'all. Let me tell you something. Being a pastor and then, you know, meetings all day long, you're tired, you know, and that's one of the reasons we didn't buy a house close to the church. That's one of the reasons. I'm letting y'all in on some stuff here because I need time to transition. You feel me? I'm a transitional guy. I don't like to go to meeting, to meeting, to meeting. My brain is like this. I'm, I'm like in a fog. So I need time to transition. So when I'm driving home, I need time to think over process stuff, download. You know what? I need to take off the tired hat by God's grace. I'm enabled by the Spirit of God. The example I have is by Christ, the second person of the Trinity, what it looks like to humble himself, not to come in and thinking you need to be served, but to actually serve other people. Something profound happens when we serve. So then let me take off this hat, and when I get to the door, and sometimes I joke around, the estrogen be so high, I can pull it in the driveway and fill it. I got all ladies. If you don't know that, I got all ladies. Estrogen be high. I can just hit the boom, 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 and then I can just, I can sense it. Estrogen meter going off the Richter scale. I don't even want to go in the house, but I have to. I need to serve. It's very easy to to focus on self. That's the, I think that's one of the biggest enemies in marriage. It's just self. It's me instead of we. It's me. Meet my needs. Do all this. Do this. Do this. Me, me, me. That is not a very productive way to view marriage. Uh, uh, marriage. It has to be a weep approach. So brothers, that would be agapao, agapao, agapao. And if the, if the Lord wants to use this to make us look like him, you better rest assured the enemy is going to attack in every way he can. He's going to attack. He's going to attack. In other words, looking at your spouse as the enemy, brothers and ladies, they're, they're not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Though the enemy wants to get in there and make it seem that way, they're not the enemy. Maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning. That's okay. But just maybe this is for somebody. Your spouse is not the enemy. This week has probably been a hard week. Some of y'all, your marriage is doing great. Some of you guys, your marriage is on the rock. Some of you guys are throwing a tile. Some of you like, man, we're just like two ships in the, the, just passing in the night. We're just, you know, glorified roommates, whatever you want to call it. But rest assured, they're not your enemy. Hear me say this. You have one common enemy. This is a game changer in marriage. One common enemy. And that enemy is Satan. You're on the same team. Fight fair, fight from a biblical standpoint. So maybe it's that. He's going to attack. Ephesians 6 is coming. It's warfare. The enemy doesn't want you and I to look like the Lord. That's why Ephesians 6 is that back end piece. What about looking outside of marriage for love? It's a big one. Pornography, you got all the, you can just go down the list. There's, there's a big list. But don't look, you know, you know the old adage, man. Don't look, don't be looking over to, for greener grass. Why don't you water the grass where you at? Because, because what happened? I like this one dude clap. Amen. Because <laughs> here's the deal. You ready for this? Rest assured, it's, at, it's just turf on the other side. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Amen. 
Now, the Bible does give grounds for divorce. I do understand that. Death, infidelity. But just because things get hard doesn't mean you throw it in the towel. Every book ends. Hear me say this. Every marriage problem is first a gospel problem. Understanding what Jesus has done for us. The real reality of identity in him. The real reality of being a new person. The real reality of being able to do the supernatural. The spirit now fills me. I can actually love my spouse who's broken just like me. I can actually love them uh, sacrificially like Jesus loves us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Mandy has to do it all the time. I tell you, I am a basket case. Your pastor. Notice it went past, right? Your pastor. I don't know about y'all, but I, I, you know, we all have those pressure points in our marriage, right? Those pressure points. I don't know. Some of y'all, when you, you chew with your mouth open, some of y'all, I don't know, drive your spouse nuts, clank your bowl cereal, the bowl clanker, stop it. Amen. <laughs> just, just either get more cereal or pour more milk, something. I mean, <laughs> clank, 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 stop it, right? For me, you know what it is? I'm always balling my socks up. I always ball my socks up from a little dude because Growing up, man, we didn't have much, so I had to make sure my socks stayed in pairs. Because we actually had a bag that was a mismatched bag. Anybody remember that? Anybody with me on that deal? See, my same dude, he with me right here, right? I see you, fam. Thank you, Rev. Right? Walking around with a mismatched bag. And so, time to go to school. You couldn't just look at that bag and, I mean, you had almost had to dump it. It was, a, it was a process. You had to look for the socks. So for me, I'm scarred all the way back from the day. I need to make sure my socks match. So I ball them up, I take them off, I shoot them into the basket, eh, put them on in there, and I can just hear Mandy from the other side of the house. <laughs> right? Man, babe, you good? What did the girls do? Right? You know what I mean? No, it's you. Stop balling your socks up. That's, that's, see, but that's silly, that's small. Hear me say this. But if I'm really agapowing my wife, intimacy, into me you see. I will factor her in and her feelings. Am I really listening? So now there's communication. This is a whole other sermon. Am I really listening to her? Am I just letting her? Is she a talking head? Is she like the Charlie Brown teacher? Wah, 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 right? Or am I really listening to my wife? Listening with the intent to apply. Let me, let me just say this. You, don't think that you can diss your wife and think Jesus is okay with it. Again, that's like dissing the church. Everything is tied. Dissing the church but saying, I love Jesus. It's all tied. So we got to love in a way that shows sacrificially. So what did he do? He cleansed her by the washing of the word, with the word. Let me just say this. this is the first hour I told them this. If the Bible, if the word is not regularly presented in your house, at least read. I'm not saying you got to be a, a scholar. I'm not saying you got to be quoting Deuteronomy and the Pentateuch. I'm not saying that. But at least there's a regular reading of the word of God. Some of us do great at this. Some of us, this may be the action point. This may be it. Like regularly, just sitting down at the dinner table. Just, um, let's, just, let's just read a verse. Let me let you in the Hayes house. Because some of y'all are going, what do you do in your house? I know you're asking because I see it all over your face. Amen. Here's what we do. Mandy and I, we study together quite often, but not all the time. And there's different ways you can do it. Okay? Some of y'all say, oh, I ain't doing that. That's fine. That's fine. So, but sometimes, like she's doing this Hebrew study, 
And so we've been chewing on this together. Hebrews, just, just chewing on it. She's so excited about the word. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk about the word. You know what I mean? So like, it's just Bible all day long for me, right? But we chew on the word. We chew on, we chew on, we chew on. But then most of the time what we do is we study. I have to get to the office early in the morning to be able to have quiet time. I, can just, I just can't study and have intimate listening time with the Lord at my house. I just can't. I don't know why. There's a lot of talking going on. Ladies, I have four ladies. They talk a lot. So I need silence. I need, I need space. So I get to the office. Mandy will get up. She'll do her thing in the, in the office at the house. And we'll, we'll, we'll get in the Word. We'll, we'll churn that butter, listen to what the Lord is teaching us, and then we'll come back and we'll actually, hey, what did, what did God teach you today? What did you learn today? What did you learn today? So that's a beautiful way to do it. That's one way to do it. What about prayer? Praying regularly. This is something to be quite honest. We can do more of. And by the way, not just praying when you go to bed with your kids. That's fine. But like praying all the time. Isn't that what Deuteronomy say? Let it be ever before you on your front, the word, right? The preaching of the word, but also, the, also prayer. This, they all go together. On your front list, or your, or here, on your, and just on your doorpost, everywhere you go. It ought, to be, it ought to be the presentation of the gospel, God's word and prayer. So if... Like I have my daughters. Mandy's not here. She's on a, dad, a mother-daughter little thing with little Naomi. They're driving home now. So I had the two big girls with me all weekend. It's, it's been great. And if you see their hair, that's because they were daddy all weekend. Amen. <laughs> so uh, I'm keeping that thing real. So, but here's the point. But it's like, hey, Sarai, why, why are you feeling like that? What's, what's going on? What's going on inside? And she may explain whatever she's going through. I said, baby, let's pray about that. You know why? Because prayer, if your kids see you praying, what you're, there's always seeds being planted. So you're always planting seeds. So if my kids see me, me and Mandy praying regularly together, me praying with the kids, the seed is being planted of this, that man, prayer changes things. It, there's something being planted. You better rest assured. If they see us reading the Bible, which they do quite often... They see us reading the Bible, they're saying, man, there's something about this word. I mean, there's something, it, it's something cool. Naomi, she can't read, she's barely learned how to read now, actually. But she'll have a little Bible, a little small one, like this, and she's circling words, like interacting with the text. Man, why she, where'd she get that from? She don't even know what the Bible is saying. But seeds have been planted in regards to the word being saturating our homes so much so that the kids are now picking up on it, saying, there's something about the word of God, there's something about prayer. So, men, we got to lead out on this. We got to lead out on this. I know it's hard. I tell sometimes my prayer time, I say, God, you've called men to a high standard. Women, I know you say, man, submit. Man, man, that's hard, man. But brothers, we got to do Hey, let me tell you something. We need, we need to raise the ante. It's amazing. Our men's uh, conference we had a little while ago. Pastor Josh, we, we dealt with a text. Josh Steckel dealt with um, 1 Corinthians 16. Paul, in this signing off, just really throws in this real interesting passage. He says, well, hey, uh, by the way, act like men. He told the guy, say, look, do all, all that you do, all, he goes on this great discourse, but it, nestled in there, he says, and, and by the way, men in the church, act like men. Such strong language. Act like men. So what he's saying is, you know, we can't act like, don't act like a woman, flat out. I'm just keeping it real. 
Don't act like an animal, okay? Clean up behind yourself, brothers. This is your pastor talking to you. I'm preaching to myself. Don't expect your wife to fold clothes all the time. Why don't you fold the clothes? Don't expect your wife to wash the dishes all the time. Why don't you pick up some Paul Moloff and wash the dishes? They soften your hands while you do the dishes. <laughs> stop demanding. Stop putting this expectation on your spouse. This is one of the biggest things I really believe. The heartache and hiccups in marriage is expectations, unmet expectations. Let me show you a picture real quick and we'll land the plane. The ultimate picture is this. Mandy and I in our marriage counseling, we got married in Chicago. Pastor Andy and Miss um, Valerie, former pastor that we, we serve underneath, uh, they did our marriage counseling. Man, it was great. Pastor Andy's a stud. But he laid this out and it just made sense. It just made sense. Husbands on one side. Many of y'all have seen this before, so it's not new. Husbands and then you got the wives. You got God up top. So the idea is that, hey, look, if I'm pursuing the ultimate expectation I ought to be having for my spouse is that they're growing in their walk with Christ. Because if Mandy, just put Mandy there. Put your name there, by the way, if you're married. If you're not married, this is great marriage counseling for you. Okay? If you're single, you know, again, this is good marriage counseling. I had another thought. I ain't going to go there. Mandy, Marcus. Babe, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, why don't you, the nagging. Well, man, I got to communicate expectations because y'all know this. If I have this clear expectation in my mind and I'm not communicating, it's going to cause frustration. Anybody been there before? So instead of just nagging, we're on the same team. It's we, not me. We have a common enemy. The ultimate expectation I want to have for my spouse is this, is that Mandy's walking with the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something, Mandy, she's more, she more righteous than me. I was once, where I was in a, a discipleship group before I, got, uh, before I got really serious about ministry, and um, we walked through the Song of Solomon. That'll be a book we'll walk through too, by the way, at one point. Song of, Song of Solomon. And in there, the question was this, hey, what, what are you looking for in your wife, your future wife, your mate? I said, man, for sure, she's going to have to love the Lord more than me. Not somebody to just go to church. That, that's one thing. I don't want anybody just to go to church. Some of you men, you're like, man, I just kind of go to church. That's my bare minimum. Check the list. I feel good about myself. Make my wife happy, cool. And I go home, I sit on the couch. I don't do nothing. That's not it. But I said, I needed somebody to, I mean, that really loves the Lord. And he gave me the analogy of somebody running around a track. Running around a track, you're running, doing a life, your Christian life, your spiritual life, you're running around a track, you're running around a track. You don't want to be lapping a female. If you're lapping her, like just passing her all the time, that's probably not a good fit. Because it's a spiritual dynamic there. You're going to be always pulling and pulling and tugging and tugging and come on, come on. You can't change nobody. And by the way, let me just say this again. You cannot change your spouse. But he said this, you keep running. If you see somebody, they're keeping up with you. They're keeping up with you. It's a little 5K um, commercial, by the way. <laughs> they keep up with you. You pray about that. Potentially, that could be somebody. Let me go back to this. Don't take it off. Why did y'all take that off in the back? What y'all doing? Put that back up there. Oh, man. They went to bed. Put it back up there. <laughs> Wife, boom. We're both growing. Here's the, here's the, here's the punchline. Y'all see it already. If we're growing closer 
In our walk with Christ, we're also growing closer what? To each other. Because the funny thing is, Paul would say, the word needs to be present because the word cleanses, the word changes, the word transforms. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Do you know God is not done with you and me? We make up the church. He's cleaning us out without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. I can't wait for that day. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Now he's being facetious. He who loves his wife loves himself. Oh, for no one ever hated his own flesh. But what will they do? They'll nourish it, cherish it. But here's the kicker, just as Christ does the church. That's our example, men. Whenever you want to know what you ought to be doing, look at Jesus. Don't look at the culture. Don't look at tabloids. Don't look at the bachelor. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Daquan last week. Amen. We had a long conversation about that one. <laughs> Don't look to the culture. Look to Christ. He's the example, man. Trust me, he's the example. And Jesus is not some, these pictures that we, they got of him, like this is a frail, pale, scraggly, robe-wearing dude. No, Jesus was... Jesus was a man's man. See, see, I think we missed this picture of what Jesus really looks like. He was a man's man. He flipped tables. He called people out. He was gracious with people, though. But also, there's another picture of him coming back. And Paul alludes to this on the back end. He says in verse 30, because we are members of one body, so therefore Jesus takes care of his body, you and I, so the same men ought to do the same with our wives in the context of marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, one flesh, one flesh. Verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I say this, that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. But it's all out of verse 21. Out of reverence for Christ. Use discernment. Know that God is a God of order. But for freedom. But it is a mystery. It, it is a mystery. It is the greatest apologetic to the watching world. But it is a mystery. And the mystery is this. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And the picture we have of him, this frail, you know, Michelangelo did a decent job. And this, this, this American way of imagining what Jesus looks like. I mean, I'm just going to keep it real with y'all. The Bible says his face was like brass. Ooh. That's kind of dark. Some of you don't like this, but you go read your own Bible. Amen. His eyes was like fire. He's going to come back riding on a horse. Tatted up on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords, a sword of judgment coming out, a conquering king. Not coming back to be redeemer, but coming back to be judge and to bring back his bride. And at that moment, you better believe He's going to take us with him, 
But they don't stop there. Revelation 19 is called the marriage feast of the Lamb. That's the ultimate culmination of what our marriage is going to look like. We'll look at Jesus. Do you know this? That for all of eternity, he's still going to serve us. That's nuts. The crowns that we get, the Bible says we will take, the elders will say, man, look, no, 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 no. I need to take this off and lay it at his feet. He's so holy and so worthy. But that's why he rolls in bodily form to remind us that for all of eternity, we will always be reminded. It will never get old. The gospel never gets old, even in heaven. That's why if there's any drama down here, there's no drama down here that an empty tomb can fix. There's no drama down here that the resurrection can fix. There's no drama down here that the gospel can't fix. I'm serious about this. But it's all about saying, Lord, let the Lord, dear Lord, you gotta, you gotta, I gotta get out the way. You gotta move through me. Remember, the Lord don't need your help. It's an atheist that said, um, Lord, I can help you. Did I say this already? Make sure. Atheist said, Look, Lord, I can make, um, I can make man just like you. God laughs and chuckles and he said, <laughs> Okay, go right ahead. He grabs some dirt and God goes, Ah! No, 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 no. You get your own dirt. God doesn't need our help. What he wants us to do is submit to his way, his structure for freedom. It's a greater picture of the gospel. Your loved one probably has gone on to be with Jesus. Know this, that God loves you and he's close to you. Hold on back there, bud. He knows you. He's still going. And he cares for you. I'm serious. In this moment, hear me say this. Some of us, we have a lot of baggage that we brought to marriages. Mandy and I, we both looked at each other and said, man, it's going to take all of Golgotha, Calvary, for us to love each other. Because the baggage we brought. But God has been extremely faithful. Extremely faithful. Extremely faithful. You know, being honest in your marriage is very healthy, by the way. Open communication. Communicate consistently. Because that's what the gospel is. The gospel meets us in our mess. The gospel doesn't play around and fabricate and, you know, no, no. The gospel meets us and then heals us and delivers us. That's the beauty of what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. So you may be in here, you say, man, we... Our marriage is doing great. Well, you know what? Pour gospel gas on it. Keep pouring gospel gas on it. Keep pouring gospel gas on it. Because rest assured, the enemy is going to come after you. It'd be when you least expect it. But then secondly, you may say, look, man, Pastor, will you just pray for us? Absolutely. Remember, this is a messy family reunion every single Sunday. None of us have it all together. None of us. So my pastors come up. Pastor Daquan, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, Rocky's here. We want to pray for you. It was beautiful to see movement in the first hour. Some people came by themselves. Some came with their spouse. If you want to kneel, you can do that. I mean, it doesn't matter. Maybe you want to come down and say, I, just, I pray for my heart that I'll be the right person when God brings that individual along. Maybe that's it. We want to pray for you. But I will say this. It's very hard to live for Jesus and love like Jesus. You can't do it 
apart from Jesus. You need him to pull off agapao love, sacrificial love, no strings attached type of love. So some of us in the room, man, with our marriages, we just need to cancel the debt that we're holding over somebody's head. With our spouse, cancel the debt. Jesus canceled it for you. I'm being, I'm being real here. We need to pull weeds. Pull up the weeds today. Pull them up. Let's start pulling them up. It's amazing going to Home Depot right now. Home Depot is packed. Everybody's in the spring mode. What if we let this, the Holy Spirit do spring cleaning in our marriages? Let's pull up the weeds. And then realize it's a day-by-day thing. It's a brick-by-brick piece. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. It's a process. Some of you have been married a long time. Y'all know this. It's a process. You got to work at it, though. It's not going to happen by osmosis. Can we just keep it real? I'm going to be very transparent here. It's not just going to happen. We really need each other. So that's why we're, that's what we just, you can come forward, you don't have to. But we literally want to pray for you. If you don't know Christ, come down. We'll lead you into what that means, receiving him and giving your heart to him. If you need to join the church, man, hey, come down. We'll talk to you about that. If you need to be baptized, you've already trusted Christ, you need to follow through in believer's baptism, come down. We'll talk to you about that as well. But the altar is open. You hear me? The altar is open. Lord God, we do thank you. Thank you for being you, and you do a great job at it. Forgive us for we try to step in the way and play God and let pride blind us. And pride ultimately says, I don't need anything. I don't need God. That was the result of the fall. Not trusting your word. But listening to the enemy twist your word and we found in there, Adam and Eve, us two included, we found in there this, a loophole. So, well, hold on. If that's the case, we can be like God. So, it's pride. So, Lord, forgive all of us in this moment of thinking that we can do life without the life giver. You don't need our help, but you call us to cooperate with you. Thank you for your structure in marriage and even in relationships. But it's for freedom. It's a greater picture of how you love the church, Jesus. How you're cleansing the church. How you're washing the church and sanctifying the church. Setting the church apart. Just, I mean, just a, just a cool picture of the gospel. Lord, help us as men and women, those in marriage union, to flesh out biblical principles. Now, Spirit, Pray that people will be sensitive to you. You're leading, not caring about what people are thinking. No one knows, you know. And I pray that they'll say, I want to respond to what the Lord is doing in my heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.